Welcome to Finance for Physicians, a show where we empower physicians like you to practice medicine the way you always dreamed you would. This podcast features doctors, physicians, and experts that share one main thing in common. We believe having control of our finances leads to having control of our lives. In a world where doctors' lives are often dictated by our needs to maximize income, pay back massive student loans, and buy homes, many of us give up reaching those goals. But it doesn't have to be this way. you are ready to learn how financial wellness creates happier doctors and patients, then I'm your guy. I'm your host and financial expert, Daniel Wren. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Once again, we have a major change to the student loan world, and I am joined by my good buddy, Jeff, and we're going to break it down for you. There's been a few changes. I think once again, could have major impacts to to what you're doing with your student loans. And so we're going to talk through some of those today, the changes that are that are coming out. But before we get into that, Jeff, thanks for joining us again. Oh, no problem, Daniel. Always excited to talk about student loans. Jeff is one of the one of those guys that like enjoys his student loan stuff. Like he gets into it. He's I, I think he does it in his spare time, even like maybe, you know, after hours, right, Jeff? It was an unexpected passion. Yeah. <laughs> You weren't a little kid and you're like, hey, I'm going to grow up and like be into student loans. No, when I thought I was going to work on financial planning, I never in my life thought that student loan forgiveness would be something I'd be excited about. Yeah. yeah. Well, if it, I think the way I justify it, because I'm kind of into it too myself, but the way I justify it is I was into strategy mm-hmm. stuff as a kid, like strategy games and and student loans have gotten so complicated that they basically have become kind of like a strategy, very strategic game in some ways. So the strategy has changed slightly a little bit. The games are all, that's the thing that makes these so complicated. They keep twink- tinkering with these student loan rules and stipulations. So, so let, let's talk about what all that has, what all that is entailing. The announcement came out a few, I guess, yesterday, as of when we're recording this, it was, it was yesterday, right, Jeff? Yeah, I believe August 24th, 2022. Two days ago, August 24th. Yes. So first big change, COVID forbearance extended once again. When is it extended to, Jeff? So this time, and again, they mentioned this is the final time. We'll see if that's true. But Didn't they say that we, last time? <laughs> I think they've said that at least twice now, so we'll see. But no, this is really the final. <laughs> but is it? Stay Man. tuned. But this time it has been extended to the end of the year. So 12-31-2022, and so that would mean that the first-time payments are set to resume would be in January. And really, that's probably the biggest update for a lot of, a lot of the, the families, that, that people that listen to this, is that it, it's pushed back payments another four months. Yep, which is a home run if you're going for PSLF, because they count, and you're getting a few more months of not making payments. Hopefully, mm-hmm. you're not getting used to spending that money if you are think about how you're going to get out of that. You know, we don't, I did a show on COVID life, COVID forbearance, lifestyle creep or something like that, but that's for real. And I've, you know, we're all tempted when we have disposable income to get used to spending it. So it appears that that may be ending soon. So you really need to be making a plan for like 
how you're going to start making payments again in it. And it will at minimum be aware of like what that payment's going to actually be, but, but definitely what's the plan, how are you going to, you know, make those payments? Yeah. So two tips, I guess that go along with that would be that the payments, as far as they're scheduled to resume will be the pre forbearance payments at this time, unless you've recertified income in between when payments were frozen initially and now. Mm -hmm. So that's a, a good thing to note there that you can, I mean, you may be a lower payment that you would have ever expected that will kick in, but mm -hmm. find now, that. How do you check that? So it has been a little bit tough to do that by going to your servicer. Yep. Um, the, the, the easiest way to do that right now is to actually go to studentaid.gov and download your aid data there. Mm. Uh, which, the old NSLDS. The old NSLDS file. Mm. If you like speaking in a foreign language, that's student loanies for my student data. Well, you can, if you work with us, you can send it to us and we'll tell you. But if you're looking at this yourself, the way we do it is, the way I do it is I just search like for payment, mm -hmm. the word payment or something like that. And it'll just scan through that document and you total up all the payments for the open loans. And that, you know, is your, you know, well, assuming the data is correct, I'm always hesitant with student loans, but that theory is what the payment is that they have on record for you for your monthly payment. Right. So that, that would be probably the easiest way to just search. Uh, it's an ugly file. If you've never opened it, it opens mm -hmm. on WordPad or the equivalent of what might Apple on an Apple might, might open on an app. Mm. So yeah, searching for that kind of payment is, is a way to find that. It'll be for each loan. So you might have to total those up. Uh, yep. But the good next. news is you get four more months, four months. Uh, of, of no payments and that's nice. Number two on that is recertification dates. Um, mm. I would still pay attention to that. That may change again, but in that same file, if you search for IDR, there'll be anniversary as a, one of those searches that will have when you are scheduled to recertify income again, if you need to. But every time we've had an extension now, that has been pushed back. So the earliest anyone's required to recertify right now is March of 2023. Mm -hmm. uh, but that very well could be extended too. I keep hearing people we work with one-on-one -on -one say stuff like they're getting info about recertifying income. And I think that that's happened occasionally during COVID forbearance. Like they've mm -hmm. maybe part of that is like the timing has been just unclear. And these servicers are like, oh, now you do need to recertify income. Oh, now you don't need to. Now you do. So people have inevitably recertified over the period of this COVID forbearance, whether they were required to or not. So like you, if you've already done that, it is what it is, you know, the past, you can't do anything about it, but in the future from now until whenever your next date is before you just go off an email, you think is requiring you to recertify. I would suggest like doing what Jeff was just talking about and look at your date on there, like verify that it is actually required because if you, you know, go on an email that's not worded, like it might say, we encourage people to recertify income to get <clears throat> ahead of everything or something like that. That's not very firm language. And by recertifying that can cost you a ton of added money, especially if you're like going into practice, your income's jumped up. So definitely be aware of that. Yeah, very good. Yeah. So I think those are two things to take away. There would be, you can find your payment mm. and you can find when you're required to recertify there with the caveat. It may get pushed back a little further yet. So 
Yes, <laughs> even though it's the last and final extension. Okay, second big one, the forgiveness is being promised. The widespread, well, means-tested, income-tested forgiveness. I guess it's, what is it, Jeff? 10 to 20,000, right? Yeah, I think this is the one that gets most most of the headlines right now and most of the reactions. But yeah, $10,000 kind of blanket forgiveness, $20,000 if you had a Pell grant taken out when you were, or not taken out, but granted to you while you were taking out loans in, in undergrad there. It's like a need base. Thing, right. right? Yeah. And so there are a couple key items there, right? So there's an income limit and then there'll be, a, how do you apply for this? And some of those are still details that'll be hashed out, but what is that income limit, Daniel? It is married makes below 125. Wait, sorry. I'm getting that backwards. 125 for individuals or below, and then 250,000 for couples. Right. And, I guess and that's what? above that you're out on this. Yeah. There's no phase in or phase out on this, or at least from what it, from what it looks like here. It, there's, there's just not there. It's just a means test. Right. Which is interesting for tax planning purposes. Us like geeky planners were like, normally they don't do it that way because it creates this like ridiculous incentive. If you're right on that bubble to do something potentially crazy to get below it. <laughs> so imagine you're, imagine you're, I don't know how they're going to test. Do you know how they're going to test it yet? Jeff? Those are still details that are going to be coming out. They said if you mm. have been recertifying your income and they have your data that they will use that. And so if you, if that, you know, if that, um, if that qualifies you on its own, then hopefully yeah. it'll just be plain automatic, but it yeah. says that there will be an application coming out by the time payments resume. Uh, so, well, yeah, I anywhere. imagine if I had to guess how they're going to do it. And this is just based on how they've done other things. Mm -hmm. um, I would, I would bet that they're going to use prior tax returns. That's how they did all those child tax credits. And that's how they've done all this income verification for student loans is they just use recent tax returns typically. So be, hopefully they put that out before the end of the calendar year, 2022. If I, if I had to make, make a prediction, they're going to say something like, you know, 20, maybe it comes out and, you know, later in the year and they're like, you can use your most recent tax return and you have to do it by some deadline. So let's say the deadline is like March of 2023 that you have to file for all this. They're going to have to give you some time. And if that announcement comes out before the end of the calendar year, which is entirely possible, there's could be this situation where it's like, you're expecting if you're married, your household income to be like 255. You're on track for 255. And so if nothing, if you don't do anything about it, you're going to miss up to $20,000 straight up. So that's when it's like, that's what I was saying about crazy planning strategies. It's like, get a stinking credit card to max out your 401k. If you don't have the money, <laughs> not that you should do that, but like if you put 5,000 into some sort of pre-tax investment through work and pull your income down to 250 or less, that potentially is going to get you $20,000. So it can create this like insanely unique tax situation. So be watching out for it. We'll watch out for it too. Look out for how that, how they're going to define income. Cause that's a big deal. And when, and especially when they have these very 
unfazed, like just hard line income qualifiers, because you're going to, you know, ideally you're going to be below that. What about forgiveness? I, I mean, PSLF, not forgiveness. This is forgiveness, but like, this is going to, I guess if you're going for PSLF, this is not, a, not that big of a deal, right? Right. Yeah. If you're going for PSLF, so that, you know, the 10 year route, ultimately this isn't going to make a difference for you overall because the payments will still kick in when payments kick in. Yeah. You're going to pay the same amount overall on the student loans before they're forgiven. Not a major deal there, but you know, just in case, I mean, if you, if you qualify for it, you may as well have it forgiven because you never know. Maybe you switch jobs. Maybe you, you leave PSLF, but yeah, I feel for those of you listening that refinanced your loans a couple of weeks ago and might have qualified for this, that just sucks because refinance probably makes sense. That's been the most frustrating thing about all these student loan things is they, in some cases are penalizing people that are, you know, with all the information you have might be a reasonable decision. So uh, there's a lot of people that will have had federal loans that refinanced to private because, you know, that probably made a lot of sense and they just wanted to pay the things off, but they're getting penalized for being proactive with wanting to pay their loans off. Right. Yeah. And we had a brief conversation about this where Policy-wise, we're not sure if this is a great move or not. It has pros, it has cons, but from a numbers perspective, we're just looking at how do we how do we make the most out of the options that we have on the table? Yeah. For you individually, like we're gonna look out for you to be like, let's see how we can maximize this benefit. And that's that's the focus today. Now, you know, like I said, if you have private loans, you're kind of like out on all this stuff. That's that's is what it is. But if you're still in the federal system, you're entirely eligible for this. And it's just a matter of um, what what you qualify for, or if you're above that threshold or not income wise. What's the difference in the 20 versus 10, Jeff? Oh, good question. So yeah, you could have up to 20,000. And that would be if you had a, if you received a Pell Grant, if you were the okay. recipient yeah, of that. You that. And you can find that as well. Um, So <laughs> I feel like I went to studentaid.gov earlier this week it just gave me like a, you're in a waiting line message because it was so exciting for a lot of people that it just crashed their site. Um, <laughs> but on studentaid.gov, one of the very first screens that you'll see there has a breakdown of your loans and grants. And it'll tell you right there really quickly if you had a, a Pell Grant that you were a recipient of. You know what? I think I had a Pell Grant in undergrad. Does that mean I'm going to get some money? Well, that depends on if you have loans. And how you I've, file your taxes. I've long ago paid off my loans. Oh, uh, well, you are you are outside on the outside looking in. Man, there. I shouldn't have paid. Just kidding. I still feel good about paying off my loans despite uh, this. But I think that's a good point too, is that this is a, a benefit to those that it applies to, but it, it's not gonna make or break most situations, mm -hmm. you know, from where we're at. It it's a an optimizer maybe rather than something that determines success overall. Mm-hmm. Yep. One other piece on that, if you think you might benefit from that forgiveness amount, you can actually put yourself on a an email list on the from studentaid.gov. There's a, a link there to be notified when that application is available. Maybe you have the federal loans and you haven't been doing anything income driven in the past. And it's just so you've never certified income there but you want to be i you know notified when that happens that mm -hmm. might that might apply if you've you know recently or 
you know, you've been in residency or in training for a little while recently and have just transitioned, then it might apply and, and you're planning to refinance loans or something like that. But mm-hmm. you can be notified by going to studentaid.gov there and signing up for their email notification. Yeah. And this is not going to be taxed, right? No, I think it was back at the beginning of um, oh, yeah, Biden-Harris right. presidency that they had passed a law that until I think 2025, any loan forgiveness is not taxable. It's like they always had this planned. It's like, yeah, it's like there's a plan. Well, I mean, come he on. He did I say mean, it. He did campaign on that. So yeah, I know, I know. Not like this is a big Gotta surprise. Give, I mean, uh, he stuck to the promise. So, you know, that part of it is is good. But yeah, so tax not should, uh, should not be taxed federally. I have heard some people that think that this is going to be challenged big time in court. Because here's the theory, and I don't know how much of this is like mm-hmm. legit or not. I'm just kind of going off like rumblings. But the the thought is like, if he, the president, can kind of like forgive with his signature ten thousand, well, what makes that 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 would mean that would you could assume that that would mean he could forgive everything, mm-hmm. right? So there's ten thousand, twenty thousand. Where's the line drawn on? what his power is in terms of forgiving loans potentially could be unlimited, even if it's not Biden, future presidents. So it's a pretty big deal to, I think, um, and this is the argument I'm going off of. It's a, people think it's a pretty big deal to allow that the president to have the power to do that. And so whether you believe in it or not, it's the one individual doing it. And so the the thought is that that because of that people are, are going to go hardcore legally to to try to fight it to not allow it if they disagree with it is that accurate jeff i would not be surprised at all to see it challenged like you said and and i think that's i mean from a broad picture that's a a legitimate concern right as if I mean, it it has it has long lasting impact there the argument that they're making is that it, it, this applies specifically under the HEROES Act from 2003, I believe is when it was. And so it does apply kind of to a national emergency. So hopefully it's not oh, quite yeah. as broad reaching as anytime I want to sign something, I can forgive them. And that's why they keep saying it's about the pandemic and due to your financial hardships. It's like, <laughs> I laugh about it because I mean, it's... The people, at least, I know some people are struggling struggling with it, and that's that's one thing. But the people that we're working with, and probably most of you listening, are not struggling financially, and and probably the majority of people getting this are not struggling financially. You're educated people. If you have a lot of student loans, you're you're educated people, and you're probably working and making a good living. And so, it's just interesting that they use language like that. And I guess it makes sense because they want to make sure legally that it does tie back to that heroes act and 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 qualifies as a national emergency. But yeah, the I think the argument there is that the Department of Education through the president has the has a lot of broad authority over student loans. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Well that's the argument okay. you made. Yeah, that that's all so hopefully this sticks as is i just wanted to mention that is there's a lot of people that think that especially this forgiveness aspect is going to get challenged so we'll have to see how that shakes out i have no idea how that i'm getting a crystal ball reading though daniel what's the what's the crystal ball say i don't make many predictions but that type of a challenge 
would be big. Like, I don't think this is the last extension. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're t- you're making a prediction that the COVID forbearance gets extended? I especially if there's a legal challenge to this portion of of the forgiveness, uh, I believe that that would potentially lead to well, we need an extension until this is sorted out. Oh my goodness. So, stay tuned. Um, yeah, it will never stop changing, but yeah, don't count on our predictions. Yes, you know, we're not great at making these predictions. I was the guy that was like, no way they're extending it again <laughs> in the very beginning. So, here we are. Um, yeah, that's okay. a cracked crystal ball, by the way. It doesn't work all the time, it's only yeah. right about 50%. So, at best, yeah. All right, so that's the second big thing. What's the third big thing? Uh, so, income-driven payments changing. Uh, those first two are probably the most applicable to to our you know the, the families that we're talking to right now. But yeah, new IDR plan. They announced the intent to implement one, a new income-driven repayment plan. That most of these plans, well, there's a whole lot of them, but the the most common ones cap payments at ten percent of of your discretionary income. And that's a fun, like, let's just speak another language when we're talking about that, right? But 10% of income, this one would be 5% of income, but it only applies to undergraduate loans. So there's potential there for, for a better payment system or a better outcome if we're looking at paying on student loans as a whole. But that that's kind of the very broad summary of it. What else do you have on that, Daniel? There, there are yeah, it's, pieces to it. Well, I don't know. I don't know if we should go too far into it because it's like they're putting it out as like a proposal. I think right. they still are going to have like some public input. They're opening it for public comment, and which means it's like completely not set in stone. But they, the fact that they announced it is pretty substantial. Like in that, they're all in on making it happen. And it could be big. I don't know how the, it all depends on the details. Like it could affect a lot of people if they're going to like let you still qualify, especially PSLF. I mean, if you're going to be able, if it qualifies for PSLF and you had a fair amount of undergraduate loans, I could see that being pretty impactful because your payment is going to get pulled down a fair amount, but I don't know the details. So we'll just have to see how they play out. Right. Right. So it looks like that'll be a, more favorable option, especially for undergrad only loans overall. Mm-hmm. They said it'll weight the graduate loans with the undergrad loans at the five and 10% mm-hmm. or five and I guess whatever else percentage you have on your other loans would be. But yeah, uh, that'd be one to stay tuned on, but probably yes. not a major impact to the majority of, of, um, of, our, of our audience here that has larger graduate school loans. Mm-hmm. What about the last one, the PSLF waiver and the IDR waiver? Um, yeah, this the, is kind of gray too, right? Yeah. The last one was all, it's almost like a little afterthought that's kind of tucked in at the end of this press release. And it doesn't say it explicitly here about, we want to extend the PSLF waiver, but can you remind us what is the PSLF waiver? First of all, well, you all can check out the episode where we talk about it and we will link to that in the show notes, but like the big components of it or that they allowed you for PSLF, especially they allow you to, to count payments made on FFEL loans, which used to not qualify for PSLF. And that's a huge deal for people that had loans, you know, going back 
quite a while, like, especially like before 2010, there was a lot of FFEL loans. And so the, the waiver allows you to now qualify those payments. And it also allows you to qualify for any payment types. And then it also had a forbearance thing. So like there was a lot of excessive forbearance or what do they call it? Forbearance steering was the mm -hmm. word they used. There was the servicers were pushing everybody into forbearance. I, that was completely happening. It was true, but they have some, you know, parameters where you potentially get all those payments counted towards PSLF as well. So it was basically a much, much more generous SLF payment counting changes that allowed some of these unique exclusions or even just non-qualified prior to, to start to count. So we, we have seen a lot of people we work with benefit from the PSLF waiver. For example, like somebody that went all through training and for did forbearance the entire time because the servicers, like I said, were giving that out like candy. They were, they were encouraging people to do it. And so say you had a five-year training, all forbearance, zero payments made. You get done, you're like, oh no, I'm working for the hospital. I missed out on five years of PSLF. But then this waiver pops out and it's like, boom, all of it qualifies. Now you have five years under your belt, which is huge, like massive benefit. And so there's a lot of application where that, or, or you had the FFEL loans and you were making payments and you didn't qualify. So that's what the PSLF waiver is. There's a, a few more other components that I'm not hitting on, but you can check out that, that episode and we'll dig into it. Yeah. And again, that's, that's an intent to make long-term changes. That's not an announcement of this has actually happened. And uh, really the focus of that, like Daniel said, looks like it'll be on the payments overall to include if you made a late payment or the lump sums that got all applied at once, if you've ever heard a story like that, but just applying partial late payments and, and some of those forbearances and deferments, especially like military service, I'm um, counting things like that. I'd expect that's be to be what they want to make permanent potentially. Yeah. I would not that this last thing about the waiver, I would pretend like it wasn't even in there, honestly, and just pretend like you have to get everything done by October 31st in relation to the original waiver we talked about and pretend like nothing's going to change just because this is super, I don't even know why they put it in there. I mean, I guess they're trying to like get people excited about even better future changes, but it's very unclear. Right. So that those are intent. That one is an intent. And really the IDR plan is also yeah. planned change, but not no details there ironed out really. So. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, other things on that last part of the equation or just uh, thoughts in general or, or nuggets we can share in relation to all this? I think really big takeaways here, big things that you can do if you are looking to get loans kind of tidied up before that. So October 31st, 2022, Halloween is the the deadline for a lot of the kind of really generous changes to be submitted. So if you have not submitted employer certification, I like so if you if you've worked at a nonprofit and haven't submitted that, I would get that in ahead of that time just so that those payments are being counted and being a little bit more lenient. The best way to do that from an acceptance point has been to use they call it the PSLF help tool. So if you go to studentaid.gov/pslf that will actually provide you a tool that helps to pre-fill some of those forms that um, you used to have to do by hand. You still have to print it out. You still have to send it in. 
but at least it has the exact information that's in the database for some of those employers. Mm -hmm. And you also need to do direct consolidation, right? If you had FFEL loans. And if you had FFEL loans and you're trying to, or, or loans that had separate payment accounts, sometimes we do see where one loan had 97 payments and another one had 52. If you consolidate those loans by October 31st or submit that consolidation by October 31st, the longer payment count. So all those payments get applied to whatever program you're looking to, mm -hmm. to apply for, for forgiveness. Yep. And if you're not sure if you're qualifying for that waiver, like be sure, because <laughs> it's, it's impactful enough to potentially game change your finances. So if you're like, I don't know if I qualify for the PSL, like don't be there before like if it we're in the final stretch so be sure whether or not you're going to benefit from it and if you are potentially going to benefit from it do those things jeff just talked about like today like it's the last minute basically other nuggets or takeaways there jeff those are the big ones payments have been paused until the end of the once year once again yep possible 10,000, 20,000 forgiveness. And then a bunch what are we going to do about, yeah, I guess we're going to wait and see if they extend it again and wait and see, it's always like we get in this wait and see thing. That's, that's my biggest as a planner frustration about the student loan thing. It's like this wait and see thing. So we're going to wait and see how the pause plays out. Does it actually get extended again? We can't count on their word because they've broken it multiple times in saying that they were, this was the final one, but it wasn't the wide, the student loan forgiveness. We're going to have to wait and see how they like define all those parameters. Like nobody knows exactly how they're going to define income or what the deadlines are going to be. So, I mean, it is substantial enough to where if you have private loans, I mean, sorry, federal loans, I would not refinance them right now, <laughs> you know, like wait and see how this thing, or I would not pay them off right now. Right. I would wait and see how this shakes out, but we'll wait and see and hopefully get a better idea of this soon. And maybe the best tidbit came from you, Daniel, there was if you've been spending the payments you would have been paying on student loans, start paying yourself those payments now, even if payments never resume, mm -hmm. you'll be happy you did, right? Like that'll be money right. in your pocket that you can build a better life with. Right. Yes. Don't spend the student loan dollars. Start saving if you them now. Get if ready. You take away, if you take away anything, don't spend those COVID forbearance student loan dollars. Get those, keep those dollars in your pocket. Yep. All right. Well, it has been a pleasure to talk about student loans again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're a client of ours and you're still sticking around, kudos to you, but you can always shoot us stuff like this and we can help kind of digest this this type of stuff. And if you're, you know, if you're just listening in and you're not working with us, feel free to throw out questions on specifics and, and that sort of stuff. We can always dig in and, and help in that regard. So I always enjoy talking student loans, especially with my buddy, Jeff, we could geek out about this for hours and hours, but appreciate you coming on, Jeff. My pleasure. Let's do it again soon. All right. We'll see you. We'll talk when we know what's actually going to happen <laughs> with student loans, if that ever occurs. 
or we'll talk when they change things again, which is more likely to happen. It's your strategy game, Daniel. The rules right. will change and we'll update our strategy too. I guess it I guess it wouldn't be strategy if it wasn't changing and if it was super simple. So it's always fun. All right. Well, happy planning, Daniel. All right. You too. You've been listening to Finance for Physicians. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to our show in your favorite podcast player. On this show, we believe that when you prioritize your finances, you take better care of yourself, have more fulfilling relationships with your families, and most importantly, provide higher quality care for your patients. If you feel this way too and want to learn more, then make sure to join our community. Follow the Finance for Physicians Facebook group for bonus content and sneak peeks on next week's episode. Thanks for listening.